0: Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Welcome, everyone. I hope you're having a great week, and uh, we are honored by your presence uh, wherever and whenever you're listening from. Uh, The last time we checked, about 10,000 people a month listen to this program, but the great majority of those are by recording, not live and from people all over the world so wherever and whenever you are welcome and we are honored by your presence Uh, we try to give you a little something to think about during the week maybe something that inspires you a little and something you can practically apply to maybe make your life a little bit better and every once in a while a lot better Uh, we've been doing this about 14 years now and um, we welcome your comments we've changed what we do a lot based on those okay the title for today is take a look inside when i was in my 20s in college which was uh one of the wonderful times of my life I, i i went to college and uh, had, had some apprehensions and that sort of thing, but I lived on campus, and I tell you what, after a few weeks, I felt like I had died and gone to heaven with the freedom, the wonderful people that I met, uh, had loads of fun. I was there to play sports, and I enjoyed that, and of course, uh, very wonderful, beautiful young ladies all over campus that were nice and kind, and um, I, it, it was just fabulous. Uh, while, in, while there, I was driving the first car that I had ever bought myself, and it was about 12 years old, uh, pretty old, and uh, it was a Chevrolet Monte Carlo, silver with burgundy crushed velour interior and boy i love that car and it had a eight track or cassette tape i don't remember exactly which uh what what time period exactly that was and it had some good speakers in the back that thing was about 30 feet long i think it's amazing looking at cars today it was uh about the size of a big suv as far as the length um had a big engine in it And uh, I drove all over the place in that thing, drove my friends around, drove to Florida and back on spring break with a bunch of my friends. And I vividly remember one time when the car started to not uh, sound right, and then the little red lights came on the dashboard. I, I believe it was hot was the first one that came on, and there may have been another one that came on, and then I started to lose power... And then smoke started, white smoke started coming out from under the hood. And before the smoke started coming out, I'd already kind of sensed danger. I was really smart, you see. So when all those lights and everything happened, I uh, (laughs) finally figured out something wasn't right. So I'd already started going to find a service station. You don't find many service stations today. You did more then. And I remember as that car completely died, and I had two or three friends in the car with me, before we got to the service station and we were rolling with no power, white smoke pouring out from under the hood into that service station, and uh, what, a couple of the guys got out and actually pushed a little bit the last, oh, probably 20, 30 feet to get it where it needed to go. And then we, I put it in park, we got out, and here comes the service attendant looking at it, and, 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 and so, so I want you to get that picture in your head, okay? And probably a lot of you have had something similar to that. Maybe, uh, maybe not if you're younger, that probably hadn't happened maybe like it did to those of us who are older But you probably experienced something like that. So can you see the picture? Can you feel the situation? Okay, the car is boiling hot. It's a hot day. It's sunny outside. We're all in shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops and that sort of thing. Well, what do you think the service attendant did when he came out? Do you think he went and looked at the tires and said, ah, let me see if I can figure out what's wrong here. I bet it's the tires. And then when realizing it wasn't the tires, maybe he went and opened the trunk and looked at, hey, have you got something in the trunk here that would be causing this problem? And then maybe opened the front door and the back door and, well, of course not. That's silly. He went straight to the, release under the bumper for the hood, popped it up, let that smoke come billowing out now. that was boiling hot water steaming from something. And he went about to help us with our problem and fix it, which he did and got us back on our way. Alright, so why do I use such a third grade example? Well, I do that on purpose because this is really a third grade issue that it is amazing to me how almost nobody gets. I mean, if if he started doing that with the tires and the trunk and the front seat and the back seat, you would think he was an idiot. What is this guy doing here helping people with cars? He has no idea about anything about cars. If he's looking at the tires and the trunk while all that smoke is pouring out under the hood, okay? Well, we think that about certain things, but then about other things that are third-grade simple, really, we don't think that way. And sometimes we will go our whole life with smoke billowing out from under the hood of our lives And we'll look in the trunk. We'll look in the front door and the back door. We'll look at the tires, okay? And wonder, how come my life is never getting any better? Okay? Well, you're doing what that... Not what the gas station attendant did. You you would be doing what the idiot gas station attendant would do. And I don't say that meanly because there is no gas station attendant like that anywhere in the world. None of them would ever do that a single time. But yet we do with our lives all the time. Let me give you an example. I believe it was my first class uh, in the doctoral program to get my PhD in psychology. I'm not positive about that. It might have been master's, but I lose track. But I believe it was the first doctoral class, and the professor took the chalk, And wrote on the board, the problem is never the problem. And then went on to explain that about 99% of the time when people come into your office and you ask them, well, it's good to meet you. What can I do for you? Why are you here? What they're going to tell you is not why they're really there. What they're going to tell you is the problem is going to look at the tires of the car when smoke is billowing out from under the hood. It's not going to be opening up the hood and fixing the problem. And 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 that professor was right. Almost every client I have ever had identified the problem as something that was not the problem. They thought it was the tires or the trunk when, of course, it's always under the hood. So what I want to challenge you to do this week and to think about is to take a look under the hood of your life, not at anything else except under the hood what is making you run. And if, you, if your life is not running the way you want it to, if you're not as successful as you think you should be, if you're not as healthy as you would like To be, if your relationships are not as intimate and fantastic and explosive as you've dreamed of them being, you got smoke coming out from under your hood. So, are you going to do like 99% of people and just keep trying to live your life, pressing on the gas pedal harder and harder to get it to get where you want to go? Or are you going to pull over, pop up the hood, fix the problem, and then go speeding away for years and years and years in peak performance, wonderful health, fantastic relationships? And what I'm here to tell you is that almost no one does that. Almost no one lives that way because we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking at the external instead of the internal. Let me give you a couple of examples and this really came to light to me when I met Hope and then we fell in love, got married and the early years of our marriage and then especially when she became depressed and was depressed for 12 years. was really depressed when we got married. We just didn't know it. We would have something planned. Early in our married life, like uh, going to a concert, going out to dinner, going to meet with friends, going to a movie, whatever. And after a period of time, I knew that if almost anything went wrong that bothered Hope before that event, she would want to cancel the event and not do it. And so, especially if it was something I was really looking forward to, I would kind of try to safeguard her and make sure for the day or two before that event, nothing went wrong and nothing upset her. And I can't tell you how many times we would get to maybe an hour before the event and some little thing would happen that seemed like no big deal to me, and bam! She was what she called whacked out and says, I can't go. We got to cancel. I, I, I can't do it. All right? And that, ladies and gentlemen, went on for years. Now, she's a pretty extreme example of that because she was severely depressed, but it happens to people all the time. I've got a guy sitting on my um, counseling couch. This was Uh, pretty early in my counseling who has road rage in fact that's why he's seeing me is road rage and I ask him okay uh what do you think the deal is with that well it's all these idiot drivers and he and he said it to me like are you stupid I mean why do you even ask that question of course it's it's There's so many idiot drivers on the road. And every time he went out to drive, you know, there's always something that happens if you're going more than just a mile or two. You know, the lights don't change the way you want or somebody cuts in front of you or there's a long line or whatever. I mean, maybe not every time, but it happens a lot. And every time any little thing happened, he's screaming and cursing in his car okay, and someone cuts in front of him, maybe not even that close, and he's angry at him and cussing, and, and then that, that, it takes him hours to come down from that to where he's not angry anymore, sometimes the rest of the day, and that happened to Hope all the time too, one little bitty thing. I remember one time we went to the store uh, when we were really poor to see how much peanut butter and pinto beans we could buy to eat on that week, and they did not have the brand of peanut butter that Hope wanted. She was whacked out for two days. Okay? So, anyway, the the road rage guy, why is this happening? It's all the idiot drivers. Okay? He never identifies well, there's something wrong inside of me. Now, he finally did, because I kept asking him, so you really think the reason that you're enraged, yelling and screaming in the car, when someone pulls in front of you, even though they turn their blinker on and there's enough room, you really think that's because that person is an idiot, and it is just your... your, virtue that you're standing up for everyone to be to act with wonderful behavior so it's really sort of a uh a chivalrous thing of you that's the reason that you're getting so angry and then he was like uh well i don't know and then i keep asking and i keep asking and then finally after what seemed like forever to me he admits yeah okay there there's I, I get mad when I shouldn't. Ah! Bingo! All right. Why do you get mad when you shouldn't? And now we start to get somewhere. Um, had a client who, everywhere she went, she was an extreme introvert. Well, pretty extreme. And she would always... Look at people's body language, eye contact, facial expression, stuff like that. And every single week she came in, she was all, her self-esteem was always on the floor because someone that week had done something toward her that made her feel like she either wasn't attractive or they didn't like her, and, and I vividly remember one and the, uh, that she was telling me about, and she was in the checkout line in the grocery store, and she looked over to the next aisle, and there was a lady there who had two young children and was struggling to keep them uh, in control, and she looked over and made eye contact with that lady, and the lady frowned, and so to my client, that was she's frowning because she doesn't like me, or she thinks I look bad, and, and so she starts checking her makeup and her hair and her blouse and 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 everything, but but and so in my on my counseling couch, okay, what's the deal with this? Well, other people don't like me, and so I keep asking her questions. Is that really it? I mean, and finally, just like the man with road rage, after. period of time, she finally says out loud for the first time in her life, yeah, there's something in me, I guess, that makes me believe that others don't like me, when maybe that's not the case. Bingo! All right, now we're under the hood and we can fix something, and then that's what we would do. We would start in to find, what is that thing under the hood? How do we fix it? It's always memories and the thoughts and feelings and behaviors that come from memories. But sometimes they're memories that are not even yours. They're passed down from parents or grandparents or whatever, which happens frequently. So sometimes you can't identify the specific memory, but you can identify the belief, thought, or feeling that comes from the memory. I feel like I'm not as attractive as other ladies. All right, well, have you looked in the mirror? And this was to a uh, cheerleader, homecoming queen, all of the above. Yeah, I look in the mirror all the time. I'm obsessed with the mirror. Well, tell me what you see, all right? And she did. And what she saw was not remotely the way she appeared which is the reason anorexia happens and is so destructive, is because beautiful young ladies look in a mirror and they literally, literally see an image that does not exist. If a hundred people were to stand behind them and look in the mirror with them, not one of them would see the same thing they see. So literally their internal fear-based memories either from their life their parents grandparents whatever are causing them to see something as true that is not true and the number one thing we see is true that is not true is that the problem is something external when in truth it is virtually never external now the exception to that of course is if your life is in imminent danger right now. Now in that case, the external is the problem. But in almost any other scenario, it's not. Um, one example of this, and, and I, I say this pretty frequently because I think this is rapidly becoming the greatest addiction of all time, and that's pornography. Internet-based pornography. And it's a good example of how this works. And the way it works is, yes, a person is focused on an external image, but the reason it's so addictive is what they feel internally. And the reason they feel it is because our unconscious mind or spiritual heart does not differentiate between what's real and what's imagined. So what the young man or young lady or old man or old lady are looking at on the screen externally their spiritual heart is behaving as if that were actually happening to them right now. What does that mean? It means the external is the trigger to the internal, not the source. And that's the mistake everyone makes. We think because the person looked at me in the checkout line funny at at the grocery store, and then I immediately started to feel self-worth stuff that those are cause and effect. The lady looking at me is the, well, maybe maybe the word not to use is cause and effect, but source. We think, okay, her looking at me that way is the source of why I'm feeling low self-esteem. No, it's not the source. The source are your internal memories and beliefs. The woman looking at you is simply a trigger. And the proof of that is that if she looked that way at 100 people, probably 80 of them would think nothing about it, 10 would laugh, and 10 would feel their self-esteem drop on the floor. If it was truly the woman looking at the person would cause that in almost anybody, then that's what would happen to 80 people, not 10. Okay? So we look at the trigger as the source, and that's my message this week, is that the external, about 99.9% of the time, is a trigger, not a source. And and also about 99.9% of the time, the source is internal. Now, when the trigger, the external causes the reaction internally, we should say thank you. Because what that's doing is it is showing us I've got smoke coming out from under my hood. Well, what's the advantage of that? The advantage of that is I don't burn my motor up. I stop before my motor does burn up, pull the hood up, get somebody to look at it who knows what they're doing, and fix it, and then I go on to bigger and better things, as opposed to not realizing there's a problem inside, thinking the problem is the triggers, and so I build my life to either avoid the triggers or get angry at all of them, and so I'm either afraid or angry or have anxiety all the time. We should say thank you and say, okay, anytime I experience, anytime my life's in danger, and I experience something that causes anger, fear, anxiety, whatever, for more than just a few minutes, and then I bounce right back, is pointing me to an internal problem with my motor. And so I need to say thank you, get out the tools, find the problem, fix it, put the hood back down, get back in, And go on to bigger and better things. If I'm focused on the external, the inevitable result is stress, stress, and more stress, and I spend my life trying to manage stress. If my focus is on the internal, the result is usually peace, peace, and greater peace, because when I see the internal as the source, then I will stop, put up the hood, and fix it. The reason reason 99% of people don't do that is because they don't see that as the source. They see the source as the external person looking at them funny or pulling in front of them in traffic. So this week, I would recommend, what are you doing? How are you living your life? Are you living your life by externals or internals? What are your triggers? And I would make a list of those. And to do that, just say, okay, when do I get angry? When do I get frustrated? When, what things happen that then I feel sad or anxious or whatever? All right? And then say, okay, what could that be the trigger for? When else have I felt a fear like that a sadness like that of whatever and probably what you're gonna find is some memory earlier in your life when you experienced a similar kind of feeling when something negative happened to you and that memory has never been healed now if you can't find the memory you can just work on the belief the thoughts the feelings themselves and pray that the unconscious memories you, can't, you don't know about that, are, that this is the source of will be healed. And, and it works great. So I would get out the master key, the healing codes, and start, start healing these source issues. Don't just go through your life with smoke pouring out from under your hood, pushing harder and harder on your accelerator until you break. Fix the source and go on to bigger and better and more wonderful things in your life.